Welcome to Hold the Helm, the podcast for bite-sized history and civics. I'm Natalie. And I'm Cassie. We're sharing a historical perspective on topics. Thanks for joining us this week. Let's get started. On this episode of Hold the Helm, Natalie and I are going to talk about a historical figure who is also very relevant Mm -hmm. in 2022. We're going to tell you a little bit about Vladimir Putin. So just some quick fast facts about him. He is a black belt in judo and practices martial arts. I think this would be the appropriate time to also mention that there are many pictures of him on the internet on horseback without a shirt on. So if you're like, what world leader are we talking about? We're talking about that world leader. His grandfather also was a chef at Lenin's country house. So previous leader of the Soviet Union, his grandfather worked for him, which is kind of an interesting fact. Putin has two daughters. From what I've been able to gather, they use assumed names. No one knows their profession or their country of residence for their safety. We have a lot of mysteries with Putin. So Natalie and I are going to try our best to explain him and his historical relevance. Cassie, would you say it's hard to find anything before the 90s? Well, yes and no. We know a little bit about his professions leading up to his rule, but even that is very, very general. Yeah, just kind of vague. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we know that he was a former KGB officer when Russia was part of the Soviet Union before the Soviet Union dissolved in 91. And Putin was part of that task force. So Boris Yeltsin, Mm -hmm. first president of the new Russia Federation after Soviet Union. Yeltsin was the one that appointed Putin as his successor when he was ill. And that was in 1999. Putin goes on to serve two terms as president, and similar to the United States, the president's term was four years, and he's reelected, so he serves two terms, eight years as president, from 2000 to 2008. Russia's constitution at the time was saying that a president can only serve two consecutive terms. So in 2008, a protege of Putin's, Dmitry Medvedev, succeeded him as president, and then Putin became Russia's prime minister. So he still has influence in um, the government while Dmitry is acting president. And then in 2012, Putin declares that he will be running again for president for the next term and goes on to win the presidency for a third term in 2012. Again, there were some issues perhaps of protests and allegations of fraud with that one, but Putin is elected for a third time. Putin runs for president in 2012. He wins the election. That would be his third term. And he wins again in 2016. In 2020, he changes the Russian constitution. This would allow him to remain in power until 2036 and changes the term for president from four years to six years. Along with those changes um, to the constitution, Putin outlawed same-sex marriages. He also emphasized the... Um, importance of Russian law over international norms, kind of going along with the nationalistic philosophy of modern day Russia and historical Russia too. 
On the topic of religion, Putin is said to be very friendly with Russia's chief rabbi, Burel Lazar. And he said that Putin paid great attention to the needs of the community and related to them with deep respect. But I thought it was interesting just to note that in 2016, Putin oversaw the passage of legislation that prohibited missionary activity in Russia. Also in March of this year, Putin signed into law a bill introducing prison sentences of up to 15 years for those who publish, quote, knowingly false information about the Russian military and its operations. As of uh, 2022 here, Putin has been in power through five U.S. presidents, starting (laughs) from Clinton all the way through Joe Biden. Putin has met them and, and been in power through those five presidents. And so throughout the different presidencies that Putin has been in power for, there have been, I think, ebbs and flows. For example, after 9-11, the United States and Russia seemed very friendly, whereas then later Putin seems very anti-Western, anti-the United States. I saw that Vladimir Putin was being interviewed by NBC, and this was in 2021, I believe. And he references a past promise from NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. He claimed that NATO had promised not to expand east and would say that he feels like NATO is being aggressive. Yeah, this says here to declassified White House transcripts from 1997, so that would be Bill Clinton, refused Boris Yeltsin's offer of a gentleman's agreement that no former Soviet republics would enter NATO, so just like an agreement between the two of them. And apparently these transcripts have President Clinton saying, I can't make commitments on behalf of NATO, and I'm not going to be in the position myself of vetoing NATO expansion with respect to any country, much less letting you or anyone else do that. NATO operates by consensus. NATO has long insisted it has an open-door policy to any nation that meets its criteria for membership. And, And NATO was made in... 1948, 1949. And so obviously that long ago, you you can't know what countries will or will not exist right? and what countries will separate. As we all know, this year in February, end of February, February 24th, Putin started the invasion of Ukraine. And there are several reasons that have been given why he would be motivated to do so. For example, many believe that Putin aspires to rebuild the Soviet Union, the Soviet Empire, that he's still bitter about the way that the Cold War ended, and that he's determined to reestablish Russia as a superpower rivaling the United States, that Ukraine was part of the buffer zone that the Russians have against potential invaders. So back when the Soviet Union created the Warsaw Pact as a huge buffer, that Putin would also be using Ukraine as part of a buffer. Another reason uh, potentially of why Putin invaded Ukraine has to do with NATO and the idea that NATO expanding to include other countries would be threatening to Russia. However, some interesting information along with that. So in 2001, in an interview with National Public Radio, I've got this, by the way, from Gatestone Institute. So it's an international policy council, just has some really good firsthand quotes and information about maybe where Putin's coming from, things he said, things he's written. So in regard to NATO, early on, in the early 2000s, in 2001, 2002, Putin says something about, he's asked whether or not Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia joining NATO would be, if he would be opposed to that. 
And he says, we are not, of course, in a position to tell people what to do. We can't forbid people to make certain choices if they want to increase the security of their nations. He also, in 2000, was asked if he viewed NATO as a partner, rival, or enemy. This was on a BBC television show. And Putin responded with, Russia is part of the European culture, and I cannot imagine my own country in isolation from Europe and what we often call the civilized world. So it is hard for me to visualize NATO as an enemy. And then in 2002, when he was asked about the future of relations between NATO and Ukraine, he says, and quoting him, I am absolutely convinced that Ukraine will not shy away from the process of expanding interaction with NATO and the Western allies as a whole. Ukraine has its own relations with NATO. There is the Ukraine-NATO Council. At the end of the day, the decision is to be taken by NATO and Ukraine. It is a matter for those two partners. So very different conversations happening 20 years ago versus within the last year, I would say. Right. And to further exemplify what Cassie's talking about, there's a quote by former NATO Secretary General who said in an interview, Mr. Putin has changed over the years. My first meeting took place in 2002. He was very positive regarding cooperation between Russia and the West. Then gradually he changed his mind. And from 2005 to 2006, he got increasingly negative towards the West. And so... He goes on to say, and in 2008, he attacked Georgia. In 2014, he took Crimea. And now we have a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. He has really changed over the years. As late as last summer, July 2021, Putin wrote an essay titled On the Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians. And it says he expressed contempt for Ukrainian statehood. He said, I am confident that true sovereignty of Ukraine is possible only in partnership with Russia. So he really did a flip-flop, but that gives us a little bit of background as to why he is motivated or why he is able to justify for himself invading Ukraine in recent days. We have seen sanctions by much of the world, including the United States, towards Russia. And now it seems like the relationship between Russia and China is of much interest to many people since China is such a huge economic power in the world that perhaps a good relationship with China would help Russia weather all these sanctions from the West. Ukraine is also a wealth of natural resources, which would benefit anyone and would specifically harm Europe if those resources were not easily accessible or, you know, able to be purchased or traded. Yeah. Putin is a very fascinating individual. And as Natalie and I were researching and talking, we were trying to pin down a moment or a time where he seemed to, to change drastically his view of the West and go from a positive or amiable relationship with a pretty hostile one. I wouldn't say we've been able to figure that moment out, but it's definitely interesting to research and, and learn and kind of keep exploring. Yep, and we'll be continuing to follow his actions as it relates to Ukraine and to China. So thanks for listening to this episode of Hold the Helm. Bye.